Turn with me tonight in your Bible. We're turning this evening to Acts chapter 7. And I want to read just a few verses at the end of the chapter. It's a very long chapter, 60 verses. We're not going to read all of it. I'm going to just read from the verse 51. And what you're about to hear is the tail end of Stephen's sermon uh, to the city fathers in Jerusalem and others of the Sanhedrin council. Acts chapter 8, verse 51. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of, the father, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who hath received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed in him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing in the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is taken from Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60. And it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And my theme tonight is entitled, Learning Lessons from the Death of Stephen. Now many of you in this house are familiar with the name of the Free Presbyterian Church in the Ravenhill Road. It's aptly and wonderfully described as the Martyr's Memorial. And I know of a dear lady that left a very lovely gift to the church 
and in her will the line said to the church of Dr. Ian R. K. Paisley, Martyrs Memorial Free Presbyterian Church. So she made sure she got the words Martyrs Memorial in. Now, if you were doing a tour of that building, you would see at least the um, bus of men who were martyred for the word of God and the testimony of the Lord Jesus displayed in various parts of that building. And the names are there and a little bit about the details of their lives. There's another organization in the United Kingdom known as the Protestant Alliance. And one of their functions is to hold martyr memorial rallies all over the country. And they gather together at times and they celebrate the life and the death of the great men of God and they remember them and their deeds. We could think tonight of the Czech martyr, a man called John Huss. He has a church um, in Prague and uh, there's even a statue of him in that city. He criticized and preached against the dogma and the doctrine of the Church of Rome and he was promised, of course, safe passage to come and answer for his crimes. And sadly, he was betrayed and burnt at the stake. And um, he didn't die uh, cursing his persecutors for their deception and brutality, but he died singing praises to God. And of course, that story could be repeated thousands of times over as we think of different martyrs. But at the head of the list of martyrs stands a young man by the name of Stephen. He was honored to be the first Christian martyr. No, not the first martyr. He was not the first person to die as a Christian. That honor belongs to a young boy called Abel. Abel was the son of Adam and Eve, or one of the sons, and he was the first martyr. He was murdered by his brother Cain. And the Bible mentions the blood of righteous Abel. And it also mentions another uh, martyr by the name of Zechariah. And these two men head the list and finish the list of the Old Testament martyrs. Stephen, of course, heads the list of the New Testament martyrs. The word martyr is a transliteration of the Greek word for witness. And these men, by their life and by their death, have borne witness to the Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness of his person and work. Here's Stephen, and we're given a record of the fact that he was put to death by his own countrymen. The Bible says that they stoned him to death. Why? Because they hated him for the message that he had preached to them. Because of this message, they violently dragged him out of the city and stoned him to death. Wicked religious men, terrible enemies of God and the gospel. And today they still hate anyone who speaks out for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. The Bible tells us all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And many have been persecuted for the name of Christ because they've borne testimony to his saving and keeping power. Remember, the devil, of course, doesn't sit idly by when his realm is challenged. And here he is, 
uh, he's at the back of these men stoning Stephen. Of course, God, in the mystery of his sovereign providence, allowed a young man, a, a young man of God, a man of great faith, a man of power, a man full of the Holy Ghost, a man who loved the Lord Jesus to be cut down in the very prime of his life. And the godly manner of his death stands in great contrast to the wickedness of the supposed Jewish religious leaders. This young man, as he was being stoned, was calm. He was kind. He's being articulate. He's a clear thinking, even as the rocks crushed down in his body. Dr. Luke adds that those that stoned Stephen led their clothes down at the feet of another young man who witnessed this, whose name was Saul. This young man, Saul, was in hearty agreement with the putting of Stephen to death. And as a result of his death, a great persecution arose against the church at Jerusalem. Look with me at Acts chapter 8, verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Now, the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, teaches us many things. We could use Stephen as a lesson on how to live and be a witness for the Lord against an evil and wicked day. But it also, I believe, teaches us how to die as a true believer. And that's very important. John Wesley said to Charles that our people die well, meaning that they died in Christ. And, and Stephen, the first Christian martyr, died in Christ. And think of these words. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. Here's what he said. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And notice this. And when he had said this, he fell Asleep. Isn't that beautiful? We're going to try and learn some lessons tonight from the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Notice, first of all, the description of his death. It says in verse 60, he fell asleep. What does that mean? Well, it means he died peaceably. You think of trying to get to sleep. I, I don't know about you, but I can't get to sleep if there's noise. I can't get to sleep if there's lights on. And I can't get to sleep if I'm stressed out, if my mind's in turmoil, if there's something has upset me and something has, has disturbed me. You see, the psalmist said, I laid me down in peace and slept. There's an association between being in a state of peace and sleep. If we're in turmoil and stressed out, our body will be robbed of the beauty of sleep. You think of the, this raging mob. They're seething anger. They're, they're controlled by their hatred. Stoning Stephen, the rocks in his body. And here he is. He's calm. He's cool. He's collective. He's been gentle and kind. The Bible says he fell asleep. It's interesting that this reference to sleep, which is a synonym for death, is only used of those who are born again of the Holy Spirit, those who are in Christ. You see, in the book of Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we um, read these words in the verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
You see, the word asleep here is a synonym for the death of these people. Stephen was a saved man. There was a time in his life he was genuinely converted. There was a time when he trusted Christ. He he, he knew Jesus Christ in a real, personal, intimate way. His sins had been forgiven. And at that very moment he trusted Christ. He received peace with God. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God um, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we were singing there, peace like a river is flooding my soul. Why? How? Since Christ my Saviour maketh me whole. This was a converted young man. And this young man, in the hour of his death, he had communion with God. If you look at the text, it says, in verse 56, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He had a vision of heaven. And he saw the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the right hand of God. Doesn't the Bible say that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee because he trusteth in thee. And his mind was in heaven. His mind is in the person and work of Christ. And then we read here in the verse 59, and they stoned Stephen calling upon God. What's he asking God to do? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And we see him something else. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Those who were stoning him, he was praying for them. Stoning him didn't stop him praying for them. He's like Christ here. He's imitating the Savior. Remember the Lord Jesus, when he died on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, And this young man has a calmness all about his soul because he's got peace with God. The Lord is with him. He knows the peace of God. Maybe I could ask the question this evening, do you fear death? Have you got assurance in your heart and mind that one day you're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord? Or maybe you're here tonight and your heart and mind is really gripped with the fear of death. Maybe you're thinking, but wait a minute, I'm a Christian, but I'd never be able to die like Stephen. You you may not be asked or called upon to die a martyr's death. But could I just assure you, Stephen in that hour got special dying grace. And you don't get special dying grace till you need it. God only gives you that grace when it is required. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And the Bible tells us God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Even dying grace. And in that hour, he won't fail you. He won't forsake you. He won't forget you. Grace now, grace for the future. And grace even at the journey's end. And this young man, even though he had this testimony that he was converted, he he maintained a, a sense of communion and communication with God. And when it says he fell asleep, it means he died peaceably. He had peace with God and he had the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Could I suggest something else? He died restfully. Do you know what the Bible tells us here in the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write, Blessed, that word means happy, happy. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, And their works 
to follow them. The Bible tells us that the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. If you're maybe a farm laborer, maybe you're working on a building site, and it's hard work, isn't it? Farm laboring or a building site. And you come home and your body's really tired. Well, you know what I'm talking about. And you go to get into bed. Uh, maybe you go to bed at 10, 11. I, I don't ever go to bed at 12, but I'm always glad to get into bed. And there's such a joy when I can put my full weight on, on the mattress. And I'm reminded of this word. The, the, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Why? Because there's rest from the labors of the day. You know, this only applies to those in Christ. It only applies to those who are living for Christ. It only applies to those who are serving and working and laboring for Christ. Life, remember, is not a rehearsal. We have only one life. It'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. The Bible tells us that David served his own generation well and fell asleep. There's a connection between service and sleep. The Bible tells us work for the night is coming. What about our family? Are we concerned? Are we praying for them? Are are we trying to get them in under the sound of the gospel? Even this mission in Crossgar. Are are you praying that God's Holy Spirit will work? What about neighbors? What what, what about those that you just have a chance meeting with? Do you take the opportunity to, to speak a word in season? You see, many tonight are restless. They they can't sleep They're they're pacing the floor Maybe it's because of an illness Or or maybe because they're suffering some bodily pain Maybe there's some sort of problem That's breaking their heart And filling their mind And maybe they're um, in, In need of rest What about resting in the Lord Isn't that a biblical concept Rest from our suffering Handing it over to him Rest from all our sorrows that engulf us. Rest from all our struggles. Are we looking forward to heaven? A place of no mores. And one of the things that's banished is no more tears. No more pain. No more broken hearts. No more sorrow. No more death. This young man died restfully. Can I suggest also he died temporarily? It says he fell asleep. Now, we all know what sleep is. It's rest for the body. We're in a state of peace. But after a period of sleep, you wake up. And that's true of the child of God. That's why the Bible uses this image of falling asleep. This young man awoke up to the vision of Christ. He woke up to the voice of Christ. It was Daniel the prophet that said in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. David says, I shall be satisfied when I awake with his likeness. You see, for those in Christ, for those who fall asleep in Christ, they're going to awake in that day when Christ returns, in that moment of resurrection. And there's going to be a change because their soul and spirit will be rejoined to their body and they'll have a new glorified body like unto the Lord Jesus. You see, there's two ways to die. You can die in Christ or you can die without Christ. And the Bible deals with both. Luke 16 
the death of the rich man. The rich man died and was buried in hell, lift up his eyes, being in torment. Remember the rich farmer, Luke 12. What did he say? He said to his soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. He thought about tomorrow, but tomorrow may never come. He forgot about his soul. He neglected his soul. Jesus come and said, today, thy soul shall be required of thee. I want you to think this evening here of this description of Stephen's death. But I want you to think of something else. The deliberation of Stephen's death. Notice the impact that his death had in the church. Look at chapter 8, verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. Notice the reference here to the grave, to burial. His burial, that's important. The Holy Spirit has recorded the fact. Here's one of the great examples in the Bible of dealing with the corpse. There's a biblical principle here, and it tends toward burial in the ground. The biblical principle is that the, the dead body of a Christian should be buried. I could cite examples. Think of Moses. Do you know many people were at Moses' funeral? Just one. Do you know who it was? It was God himself. A unique funeral with just one person present. God was the grave digger. God was the chief mourner. And God was the orator over the death of Moses. Moses was a great servant of God. There was really none like him. But there was only one person present at his funeral. You think of the Lord Jesus. Don't we read of him in 1 Corinthians 15? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. Why was he buried? This was God's plan for his body. Buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And here the Holy Spirit, he records it of Stephen. It says, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial. Now, why do I emphasize that? I emphasize that for this reason. Cremation has got very, very popular in Northern Ireland. And it's happening every day in, in the crematorium. And isn't it a reflection, maybe a sad reflection, of how much society has moved away from its biblical principles? You see, fire in the Bible is associated with judgment. It's always associated with the judgment of God. You see, in the book of Thessalonians, we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter um, 1, we read this um, uh, statement about the coming of Christ. It says here, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Fire is associated with judgment. The Lord Jesus said, Fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that is the power to throw both body and soul into hell. I know it could be argued what the men of Jabez Gilead did with the body of Saul and the body of the princes of Israel, Saul's sons. Whenever we visit Israel in a short time, we'll go to the place known as Beth Shan, and we'll see some of the ruins of the walls there where the body of Saul and his sons were hung upon. 
We'll think about the men of Jabez Gilead traveling at night and coming to take those bodies down and then taking them back to Jabez Gilead and burning them and then burying the bones. And why did they burn them? They burned them for this very reason, that they didn't want further mutilation of those bodies if they were ever recaptured. And that's the only reason I can think of as to why the men of Jabez Gilead would have burnt those bodies. But look, I'm not going to be dogmatic. Um, If a loved one in the family opts for cremation, well, to me, it's up to the individual. We're all answerable to the Lord. The Bible says so, and every one of us shall give an account of himself to the Lord. But I'm just saying here, in the deliberation of Stephen's death, notice the reference to the grave, the burial of the body. Notice also very quickly the reference to grief. It says here in verse 2 as well that they made great lamentation over him. That means there was great sorrow. That means they were heartbroken. That, 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 that means their, their hearts and minds were, were, were filled with a sense of grief. You see, why do I emphasize that? For this reason. Some people say it's wrong to grieve if a loved one dies. The argument is, but sure, they're saved. They've gone to heaven. They've gone to be with Christ. Just be glad for them. Let's have a celebration. Now, it's true that we're glad because the Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But I believe we should also be sad. We should think about the loss of loved ones, the removal of their physical presence from us, the removal of their sphere of influence, the removal of their gifts and talents, the removal of... If they're in Christ and attend the house of God, their helpful contributions to the house of God. We don't want to think of the loss of loved ones, but we think of the family that have left. Family often left in shock. Young men taken out into eternity very quickly. Maybe in a motor car accident or maybe in a motorbike. Or this Cook family that we're ministering to in the very sudden death of Shirley. And, and how quickly she has gone down and taken from us. See, the early church, they were heartbroken for Stephen. They were in a state of deep grief. They, they, they missed him. It's not wrong to weep. It's not wrong to sorrow. Do you know the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Isn't that a, a powerful verse? Isn't that a lovely verse? You see, people have cried, men have cried in my presence. Young people have cried in my presence. Women have cried in my presence. I have cried with them. And they have said to me, I'm sorry. And I've I've said, but there's no need to be sorry. Because you know what? Remember Brother Lawrence a few weeks ago stood, he's ministering in St. Field tonight, but he stood in this pulpit and he sang that song about tears being the language that God understands. See, if you're here tonight, God knows all about your pangs of grief. He knows all about the death of your dear friend and loved one. You know, we're different from the animals. He has given us this wonderful emotion because we're fearfully and wonderfully made that we can experience gladness, but we can also have times of sadness and we can feel the pangs of grief into our soul. Could I say something else quickly in closing? The dispensation of Stephen's death. It says here, and Saul was consenting unto his death. Do you know Stephen died as a young man, a very young age? He died having lived a godly life. He he died preaching a, a powerful sermon. 
And I was thinking today, isn't that true of many of God's dear missionaries? I could think of Henry Martin, who died a young man, David Brainerd in the North American Indians, Robert Murray McShane, a minister in Dundee. There's a mystery about it. And why in God's providence and his sovereign dealings did this young man die? Why did he have to be taken home to heaven when he was in fire for God? There's no answer. I have no answer. I don't know. Why is one taken and another left? Jesus said, what I do now you know not, but you shall know hereafter. You see, we're not going to always know the answers in this life. God isn't going to give us a reason why he's done this or that. It's a secret that's hidden from us. God could come to us and say, wait a minute, I don't have to explain myself to you. I'm the creator, you're a creature. But you know what? As Dr. McRae sings in that lovely little hymn, we'll talk it over in the by and by. Even though it's not clear now, all we need to know will be revealed one day to us. Now we see through a glass darkly, the Bible says. It's not clear. It's not as full as it's going to be. But one day it's going to be clear. And the Bible teaches us, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Remember what Romans 8 and 28 tells us. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are the called according to his purpose. And maybe you're here tonight and your heart is breaking. And you're full of sadness. And maybe you're even grieving the death of a loved one. But life's hard for you. And you're finding it difficult. And, and it seems as if everything against you. And even family members is against you. Well just remember this. That God is working things out for your good. And for your glory. Let me just show you. One young man died. And there was another young man consenting unto his death. He approved of the putting of Stephen to death. But you know what? He heard the sermon of Stephen. He heard the supplication of Stephen. He heard what Stephen said about this vision of heaven and the Lord Jesus. And that young man, Saul of Tarsus, he got converted himself into Damascus Road. And in his testimony later in the book of Acts, this is what he talked about. He talked about the blood of the martyr Stephen. You see, even a premature death, God can speak and use. I remember God doing it in the town, land of Ballymoney. A dear friend of mine who's now in the glory, he visited a home where there was a disabled child. And he was away on holiday for three or four weeks and he came back to the home and the baby was gone. And he said to the mummy, where's the baby? And she just hammered her fist into his chest and shouted, Tommy, why did God take my baby? And he told her a little story about a lamb in the midst of a storm, how a shepherd picked up the little lamb and carried it over a bridge and the rest of the lambs and the sheep followed. And he says, God has took your baby home to heaven so that you can follow your baby there. You see, God has a way of working beyond us. The Bible talks about bringing glory to the Lord, not only in our lives, but magnifying him in our death. And there's a challenge for us, whether we live or die, whether it's a young age or in what situation or circumstances, let's make sure that we do it to bring glory and honor to God. 
You've got to think of the dispensation of Stephen's death. And one final thing, the disposition of Stephen's death. He died in Christ. And I repeat, and I I say this in closing, there's two ways to die. Jesus said in John 8, 24, if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot be. But there's another way to die. You can die in the Savior. You can die in Christ. Take away your excuses. Remember the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Does not also say, He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. As I finish tonight, I bring you to the cross. Two thieves on either side of the Lord Jesus. One of them got saved on his deathbed. And the other was lost. You see, one was saved that none can despair that a deathbed repentance is impossible. Even if you lived to 80 or 90 years, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But only one of them was saved. And one was lost that none might presume. Because could I say this? The only time you're guaranteed is today, is now. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. It's God who holds the breath that you breathe. And God summons us to be found in Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. See the description of the death of Stephen. He fell asleep. See tonight the deliberation of Stephen's death, the impact that it had, the grave and the grief. Think tonight of this dispensation. He died mysteriously as a young man. And think of this disposition in Christ. Folks, that's all that matter. In Christ. Are you in Christ tonight? If not, We urge you to come to Christ. May the Lord take these few stumbling words and bless them to us this evening.